Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. It's Tuesday night, 6 o'clock. It must be World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking you around the globe one queer story at a time. I'm Matt, and tonight I'm joined in the studio by Stefan. Good evening. And Andrew has mysteriously moved from the other studio into here. <laughs> Without Welcome, any Andrew. trouble at all. <laughs> 32 years ago, on May 17, 1990, the World Health Organization removed homosexuality from the classification of diseases and related health problems. Ida Hobbit Day, the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Interphobia and Transphobia, celebrate LGBTI LGBTQIA plus people globally and raises awareness for the work still needed to combat discrimination. It's all about being visible. And tonight we bring you three very different ways that members of the global rainbow community have chosen to show their true colours. In each case there were risks, but in each case the need to be heard overrode those fears. Tonight we'll hear from Rebecca Legasta-Silva one of 125 priests and staff in the German Catholic Church who risked their employment by staging a collective coming out. And we'll also hear from Philippe Talavera, the director of Namibia's first ever LGBT feature film and one that shows LGBT relationships in a positive light. We'll also hear from Bashar Murad, the first openly queer, queer Palestinian pop singer who uses his songs to raise issues of social activism in the Middle East. There is a new challenge to the Catholic Church in Germany with a group calling for it to modernise. The group is demanding the Church to do better for Rainbow Catholic and say they no longer wish to remain silent. They are calling for an end to persecutions and for LGBTI people to be accepted to live openly within the Church without fear. Taking a stand does however come with risks as the Church has discrimination exemption in employment. Rebecca Jorgas da Silva is a 23-year-old theologian in the church and part of the Out in Church campaign. We asked Rebecca what benefits they saw from having more visible and more vocal LGBTI community within the Catholic Church. I think on a personal level it's very important because LGBT people don't feel safe in the church mostly. Some do and some have their safe spaces. That's really great, but most don't. And I think that it's really hard to say something. They, they think they can't. They think they just can't come out and tell the family and still go to church and all that. And now I think they've seen 
that we're here also and maybe they even know some of the people who outed themselves with us and maybe they can say hey I know this priest and uh, he's part of that or I know this other person who's part of that and that's really important so they might have role models and also people they feel they can trust a little more do you want to tell us about the document the tv documentary how god created us yeah um that's a crazy story actually because um the man who created the documentary he actually wanted to do something about uh, homosexual priests and then he kind of stumbled ac uh, across us and somebody told him that um, our group exists and our group is just trying to sort out what we want to do and how we want to out ourselves uh, like together stage a big outing and all and yeah then we met up with him and then they tried to also educate themselves on church matters and on LGBT matches and that's how it got rolling and uh, yeah then we met up and some people got selected for being the poster people yeah and that's how all of us got into this and it was actually a coincidence that it was so early that it uh, I think on TV it was um, half eight I think something like that and actually uh, it was supposed to run around 11pm so uh, we were lucky and I think that's really important yeah because like people who wouldn't normally have seen it that late they now did I think Do you think being queer has how has that impacted your faith do you think? Um I don't really think it has for me. I know for other people it did and it does. And I know that people have so many issues with the church that they can't stay in church and can't continue to go. For me, it was really different because I knew all the time that I am created by God the way I am. And that's also part of me. So I'm created in God's image. Uh, that's what everybody knows from Genesis. And that's how I feel like still. And I never really questioned it. I think I'm privileged at that. Um, of course, it's different when I look at outing myself and that I knew that it's hard for part of my family and stuff. But for my own faith, it didn't really shatter anything. So part of your campaign, right, was that, was it exactly 100 or was it, it was over 100, right, of people um, that yeah. outed themselves in the church. Was that kind of always the idea that that would be part of their campaign or how did you convince people or how did it come about that that's what you decided you wanted to do? We were 125 people and that was also the idea of the media team um, the one who made the film, they wanted us to be more than 100 people, but it was actually really hard at the beginning to get so many people 
together. And uh, yeah, so that's why we opened um, the possibilities for people to be in shadow. I don't think if you've seen it, but you can't really see the people and you can't really know who they are. So they kind of stayed anonymous while at the same time making clear that they're real people and we didn't make them up or something. And I think that's just as important as people who shown their faces because it still shows that these people are really scared of losing their jobs. And yeah, so that's uh, a big part of how we got to be so many people. And now many people continue to write emails to us and they want to join our campaign. So maybe we have, um, or we will have more than 125 people on our website in a few days, weeks, I don't know. Yeah, and that's really cool too. On Ida Hobbit Day, that's uh, Rebecca Rebecca Logas de Silva, speaking from Germany, part of the Out in Church campaign, all about raising visibility in the church. With us on Joy ninety four point nine, there's that bi- there's quite a big step between. She was sort of saying we we had this group, the group was there, but you know, jumping out of the shadows. Mm. The big difference between existing and actually going out there and saying, "Hey, we're here. You've got to listen to us." Well, I guess it's it's a little bit difficult because you don't actually know what the reaction of the yeah. I mean, because clearly it's not it's against some of the Catholic. I mean, all of the Catholic Church doc teachings, doc teachings, yeah. Um, and um, so you don't really know how you're going to. Uh, how they're going to react. It just reminded, I mean, listening to Rebecca reminded me of, I watched not long ago this documentary coming out, Colson, on you know, this American footballer. Uh, he had a religion that had a really big oh, place yeah. in his, in his, uh, in his life. And he came out and he went to see the priest or pastor from his church and, the ch- and he was completely told, no, you can't. Yes, you're good yeah. as a person, but your lifestyle there's, there's so, so many barriers to be breaking. Yeah. But Rebecca says there, you know, um, I know I was created by God. It's, you mm. know, this, this, it's one of those um, points that's really hard to argue that, you know, if, if God created everybody and doesn't make yeah. mistakes, then how can, how can a queer person, LGBT person, be a, a mistake? Well, a problem it's, point. Yeah, it's nonsensical. Mm. Mm. But these <laughs> like a uh, lot of religion. <laughs> these brave people have uh, come out mm. and raised the issue in Germany. And coming up, we've got more ways that uh, visibility is being shown this Ida Hobbit Day. We'll hear how feature films are busting myths and taboos in Africa. This is World Wide Wave. Joy.org.au, not just a radio station. Hello, I'm Stuart Martin. I'm a board member for the Defence LGBTI Information Service, marching with pride on World Wide Wave. We put the call out earlier um, for what's your pride story. You, do you remember your first pride event, your first oh. pride-type experience? Oh, I do. Yes. Uh, oh, you want me to you elaborate on this? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago in Paris. Yes, I was working Paris. for an HIV organisation at the time. I wasn't out to my family and I was put there carrying, you know, we had a giant rainbow flag probably there was eight of us carrying it yeah on each side and i was there and I, the only thing I, 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 the whole parade i could think of 
there's been a camera here, people are going to see me, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> this was quite difficult at the time. Uh, I did it, and, um, uh, and I didn't come out for another five years. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's well, exactly what happened in the film out. called Pride. No, it's British not. Film. Seriously. No. Yeah, it is. There was this guy, and he was um, just not trying... Not carrying a flag. Yeah, no. yeah, they shoved a flag into his they hand. Did. Oh, yeah, but, yes. yeah. In the March, yeah. Oh, so watch that film. It's, your story's in film. It's very oh. good. Uh, inspired. I inspired a movie. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> the Southern African nation of Namibia still has colonial era sodomy laws in place for sex between men. There are no laws against sex between women, and LGBT people do face discrimination in their daily lives. But it's not as prevalent or as dangerous as some of their African neighbours. Uh, one way that change is happening is through the telling of stories, and one of these stories has become a feature film, the first Namibian LGBT feature film. Philip Talavera is the director of the film Capana. He's a Frenchman who now calls Namibia home. We asked Philippe why Namibia had not had a queer feature film before now. In Namibia, like in many African countries, sodomy is still a crime. So LGBTQI plus uh, relationship are by definition crimes. So there hasn't been a film about the crime, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's, the, that's the easy answer. Before... Uh, but for the last two or three years, there's been a lot of movements from various LGBTQI plus organizations to try to challenge the status quo. And there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of noise made about the need to change the legislation and the need to challenge this old, old, I mean, those are legislation we inherited in the 1930s. So the need to change those uh, legislation. We are in the 21st century and um, it's quite an aberration that in so many African countries, um, gay relationships are still unlawful. So I think Kapana sort of came at the right time to continue the discussion and to promote more discussion in the country. But I guess it hasn't been done before because it's a very sensitive topic. You're portraying a relationship between to people which you're trying to normalize. And in many ways, some people could ask you, why are you trying to normalize a crime? Uh, and I guess that would be, from a legal point of view, a fair question, even though from a moral and uh, advocacy point of view, it's not the right question to ask. There's a lot of stigmatization around gay relationship. Um, there's a lot of shame associated to it. And I guess for many people, um, it's perceived as being maybe a dangerous walk to walk. And how did the film come about? I mean, where did the story come from? Some years ago, already in 2017, I did a film in correctional facilities. One of the problems of this legislation is that, of course, in correctional facilities, you cannot have condoms because you got only men. So um, I did Salute in correctional facility back in 2017 to start talking about this issue, even though Salute is not a gay movie. It does touch on, on gay sex uh, in correctional facilities, so in a very specific um, setting. And um, we were with one of the actors in nominated for a prize as, as best African film in Nigeria. And we were discussing with Adriano and we said there is a need to tell uh, some queer love stories in Namibia. Um, but also, generally speaking, there is a need to tell some queer love stories in Africa. Because we started to look at 
what example and what representation do African people have? And there's been some very beautiful LGBT movies like Rafiki in Kenya, like Muffins of Africa, but they are all very dramatic. Um, they all look at probably more the reality, more what is happening, that if you are gay or lesbian, you're kicked out of your house, there is some police brutality, um, you can end up in jail in some countries, you can uh, even be stoned to death. So the films have focused on the negative aspect of um, being gay or lesbian. We couldn't really find one love story that was from Africa. And I think representation is important. And we sort of kept asking ourselves, if we have a 16, 17, 18-year-old Namibian that is struggling with his sexuality and that is looking, for example, that is trying to Google and look for movies, what representation do we want him to have? Do we want him to see only negative stories, dramas, where basically the message is your life will be a misery because you're gay? Or do we want him to also find some hope and think that actually you can fall in love and you can be loved in return? So that's um, how Kapana came, that we decided we won't make it a fairy tale. That's no point. I mean, life is not a fairy tale, but we want to make it a love story. And we want to give a little bit of hope that uh, you can be gay, you can be African, uh, and you can be happy. You've had lots of international success so far. Best feature film at the African Diaspora Cinema Festival in Italy. You're uh, just opening in UK and premiering here in Australia. I'm curious, though, how it's been received in Namibia. It's been uh, well. It's been quite well received, but uh, we unfortunately, I don't know, unfortunately, started to screen it during COVID. So we had so many restrictions, so we couldn't screen it as widely as we would have liked to screen it. On the one hand, it was a blessing in disguise because we had smaller audiences, so we could have Q&A with those audiences. And actually, that's what we wanted to do. is not just to screen the movie, but to be able to have a discussion with the audience. So the fact that we had or we were forced because of COVID regulation to have smaller audiences was probably easier to have discussion with the audiences we had. Um, the downside is that we couldn't um, go to as many places as we wanted and we could have as, couldn't have as many of those discussions as we wanted. But it's been well received. We decided to tour it internationally because we wanted to protect it and we wanted to avoid some form of censorship that might have come. And we thought if we managed to get into some festival and we managed to get some prices, it would be harder to uh, ban the film. And indeed, I guess now uh, we won enough prices. We had price in the US, we had price in Italy, as you mentioned, we even had a price in Ghana. So um, that would be harder to ban the film. So now we sort of are free to use it as we would like to use it. To be a slow process. It will be shown on the 1st of December again in the capital city as part of World AIDS Day. Um, the capital city is a little bit easier. The capital city is probably open, more open-minded, but we still want to bring it to other parts of the countries and to trigger a discussion. Um, we had one interesting discussion. We had a screening in, in a township, uh, a very conservative township, and I was a bit skeptical about it in the beginning. 
And um, in the beginning, when you got um, the two guys meeting and the two guys having sex, people were laughing and calling them names and criticizing them and whatever. And without giving too much at one step stage, the two guys separate. Uh, and then uh, <clears throat> step by step in the audience, I was, oh, go back with him, go back with him, you can see him. <laughs> and we thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and I sort of forgot it was two guys. Um, they sort of started to root for those two characters, forgetting it was two guys. And that's exactly what we wanted. Bringing LGBT visibility to Africa, that's Philippe Talavera, director of the film Kapana, which is Namibia's first ever LGBT film, with us on Joy 94.9 on Ida Hobbit Day. Uh, wonderful, particularly in Africa, I think, to... I mean, movies are a great medium to really tell a story. You've got lots of ways you can do it. But wonderful that they haven't gone down the negative path, they've gone down a positive path where the, you know, the gay character doesn't die at the end, they fall in love, you know. Like bit a, of a change. Like a, a movie that could happen to... Something that could happen to anybody. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be negative. It's Yeah. It's, and that's the thing, you, you, that you humanise the relations and take out some of the, um, you know, the stuff they might have heard around, around the, the town or families or church or... I think that there are more and more... I mean, the, the, I think the majority of movies now were the kind of a positive story just queer movies in Africa I, maybe not to Africa no I don't know I just want to say normal but, but that's not the word no, clearly word. but you know just everyday p- person that doesn't have your sexual orientation doesn't define how you what's going to happen to you in a way I mean it does I, I, I'm not sure where I'm going here because I think I'm well <laughs> it's it's interesting in this I, I think I find that interesting because it's in a country where mm. same-sex relations are illegal, yes, yeah. but they're showing, even though that law's in place, yeah, these yeah, people yeah. exist. Yeah. Do we know when it's going to be released? So it is out now. It, it was shown in MQFF mm. this year, and it's doing the world, um, you know, the various festivals around the world. I wonder if it'll come to uh, one of the streaming services. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, let's hope. Well, coming up, we've got lots more this Ida Hobbit Day. Uh, We will hear how music is being used to foster acceptance in the complex world of Arab-Israeli relations. This is World Wide Wave. Turn us on all summer long. Justice C. Ki Un of the High Court of Singapore says Section 377A serves the purpose of safeguarding public morality by showing societal moral disapproval of male homosexual acts. My name is Yang Far. I'm from Ugitaga in Singapore. And I'm proud to be morally disapproved of. <laughs> You're listening to the show that takes you around the world. Uh, one queer story at a time, Worldwide Wave. And a special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash Worldwide Wave or on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a review now there's quite a bit of excitement a bit of a flurry around the studios tonight because uh our first uh, face-to-face training course for you know since the whole covid um debacle uh has come is coming to an end it's their final show together they're putting their shows together and recording it it is so fantastic to see the the energy that's bubbling from the groups here well guess what 
There's more. There's more courses oh, coming. No. So if you've ever thought, you know, radio might be fun and Joy is a great place to be involved, we've got over 250 volunteers here running the show. So we've got two courses starting in June that you can be a part of. Uh, one's on a Wednesday night and the other's on a Saturday. And um, pretty much you come along and learn all the skills you need to put together a radio show or a podcast. So that's everything from... Um, you know how to put together a show, how to use microphones, through to the editing, and then because media law, and because it's not on a Tuesday, you might even have the opportunity to come and see us. Well, yes, you you can come into the studio and see how it all goes. Absolutely, um, we've got a great team here who've uh, been presenting uh, radio for many years, and they will uh, share all their great wisdoms with you. Um, and whether you want to work behind the scenes, writing, producing a show, whether you want to be behind the microphone or reading the news, Andrew. Yes. Um, yeah. Come along, be a part of the training. So all you do is go to joy.org.au and register your interest. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. It's Ida Hobbit Day 2022 and we're talking all things LGBT visibility. War and conflict are synonymous with Palestine, having been occupied by Israel since 1967. Dominating daily life, there has been little room to even talk about the existence of LGBT people. In Palestine, male consensual same-sex activities are punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment. Yet Bashar Murad is determined to see change. He is a queer Palestinian singer, songwriter and social activist. Bashar started his career by uploading covers of popular songs to YouTube, but now he's writing songs to challenge the social norms. We asked Bashar to tell us about, about growing up feeling different in his occupied land. Can you tell us a little bit what it was like for you um, growing up feeling different, being gay in an occupied territory and conservative society? Um, yeah, uh, so, well, when you're born here uh, in Palestine, you're automatically born into a system of uh, occupation and oppression. And uh, since the moment you are born, uh, you know that you're less privileged than others uh, in this uh, country, which favors one people over the other. Uh, but then as I grew up, I uh, started to realize that I was different and I didn't know I was gay until much later, but I always had this feeling that there's something different. And so I felt like I had two different battles that I was fighting. One was fighting the occupation and one was the battle of uh, learning to love myself uh, uh, despite the fact that I didn't see any other role models who were queer in my community. But of course, the, you know, everything is related to the occupation, goes back to the occupation, even the fact that maybe queer topics uh, and uh, that we haven't progressed enough on queer issues uh, has a lot to do with the occupation and the fact that when you're under occupation, it limits your ability to progress and your ability to move forward socially. Um, so yeah, so for me, it's like this ba constant battle or like constant battles that I'm fighting. How accepting are Palestinian families when it comes to sexuality? Uh, it's hard to really answer that because I don't like to like uh, make generalizations, but from my experience, uh, 
there is a more yes conservative uh, general energy let's say um, but from my experience you know growing up we never I never heard anyone talk about uh, being gay or gays existing even <laughs> in Palestine um, but as I got older um, you know it's about like this community uh, thing where one person uh, like if you meet another person who is gay uh, that will create like this community that will slowly get bigger and bigger and so when I was younger uh, I thought I was the only gay Palestinian uh, <laughs> to exist but then slowly uh, I started coming out to my friends um, and creating this community of like-minded people and uh, to me that's what matters more than like making a state a blanket statement about, uh, everyone. I was going to ask you, you're one of the first uh, openly queer Palestinians. What difference would, uh, would having an openly queer Palestinian made to you growing up? Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I was younger, I was always looking for a role model or someone who I could relate to. And I couldn't really find that in um, Palestinian or Arab uh, entertainment and culture. And so I always turned to a Western pop culture and uh, and looked at people like Madonna and Lady Gaga and Freddie Mercury and all these big uh, iconic legends. Um, and yeah, it would have made all the difference in the world because I would have found out sooner that I can be myself, you know? I had to go through a lot to learn by myself that I, I could actually uh, be who I am and live happily. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit about your music. How did you get into, what got you into music? Uh, so I was really lucky because I was born into um, a musical family. My dad founded a group called Sabrin uh, in 1980. Uh, Sabrin means uh, patient ones. And uh, it was a very iconic Palestinian band. It was one of the first alternative uh, groups. And I was born into the peak of that band. So I was always uh, just like my dad would always carry me with him to the studio or to the concerts or, or just like having artists and musicians around all the time. And so I was really lucky to have found a music as a tool uh, for escape and for therapy and for self-exploration from a very young age. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how I started. <laughs> and you, there's a lot of social activism in your music as well, but what came first, the social activism or the singing? No, I think the singing, uh, always. Uh, but I guess singing, I mean, I don't like do it with a purpose of social activism. I just feel like it comes naturally. And singing was like this tool that helped me discover and explore myself. And um, that included like, uh, social issues that I explored uh, about gender equality and marriage and stuff. And so it kind of automatically like came together. Uh, but singing, definitely. I was singing since I was like in my mom's uh, room. <laughs> and why, um, why is it important to you to use your songs to raise issues and, and talk about these issues? I think because it's hard. I mean, I live in Jerusalem and I experience first experience firsthand uh, what happens here. And then when I think of people in other places in Palestine who go through even more hardships than I do, I, I 
first of all, it makes me feel guilty to just go out and sing just random pop songs uh, about nothing. Uh, I feel like if I w- want to get my voice to be universally heard, I have to have this message uh, that carries where I came from with me. Um, because I know how important it is. And I, and, I, and I don't think pop, you know, just because I do pop, it doesn't mean that it's just going to be like mindless uh, dance. I'll, I'll give you dance songs, but with a little bit of like uh, brain work. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That was Bashar Murad, the Palestinian singer, songwriter and social activist speaking to us from East Jerusalem on Joy 94.9. I don't mind that dance songs with a bit of bit of you know a bit of <laughs> brain work in there. That, lovely. Um, as he was, we're talking about visibility tonight on Ida Hobbit Day, and one of the things that rang true in that interview was around role models. Yeah. That uh, you know he thought he was only gay in the village. He he just had no representation. It's interesting because next next door or you know in Israel, it's like uh, one of the big gay party cities of the world but Palestine is almost no visibility, no role models <laughs> Well, that, 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 I, I don't know if we can the, get into that without being political because it, it is I think it's, it's a, a function of what's happening in, you know, in Israel and Palestine and the way people are treated, even though they are very close to each other I mean, I think if I if I remember, the, you you have to show your you know passport to get from East Jerusalem to where those places are. So it's very difficult mm. to create friendship to have friends when you have to you know to be searched by the police or the army or all this thing. So I think it's it's yes, you might have a, ro- a potential role model, but not really. Yeah, and he is political though. He oh, is very, very active um, uh, in his social media, in his songs, in his he is doing everything he can to try and let people know there are queer people mm, in Palestine and, yeah. and they yeah. have you know many issues yeah and and he's and been really active lately with the with the, the killing of Shirin Abu Hakle the the journalist the Palestinian journalist a couple of three weeks three days ago or four days ago uh, now um, yeah so it's not just queer it's activism for yeah it's also Palestinian mm. activism as well yeah well, good news because we've got one of Bashar's songs coming up called I Dare You and it's a ripper. Want to hear more? Find out about LGBT life in over 100 countries. Download free podcasts of this show. Subscribe to iTunes or follow us on Twitter. Visit joy.org.au slash worldwide wave. Hi, this is Robert Beachy. I'm the author of Gaberlin speaking from South Korea on the worldwide wave.
And on Joy 94.9, you're listening to World Wide Web, and that was Bashar Murad with I Dare You. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. A huge thank you to all of our guests tonight. Rebecca Legasta Silva from Germany's Out in Church campaign. Philippe Talavera, the director of Namibia's first ever LGBT film, Kapana. And Bashir Mur- Bashar Murad, the first openly queer Palestinian pop singer. You can, fo- you can hear their full stories on our podcast. Go to joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or your favourite podcast platform. And thank you so much uh, on Facebook messages from Adam Yangfo, Richard and a whole lot more who have joined or interacted with us on Facebook this past week and that's W3Joy on Facebook. And behind the scenes we have to thank our podcaster Peter and our social media master Dean. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.